Vision has just the right mix of music, inspiration and fun to kickstart your day. Rise and shine with Fel and DJ. Weekdays at breakfast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Tomorrow is the South Australian state election. Our preview today and two new guests to introduce to listeners. Tom Kenyon, who is a part of the reformation of Family First and Steve Murray, Liberal MP for the seat of Davenport. Uh, To you, Tom Kenyon, a special welcome along. Thanks so much, Neil. How are you going? Good. And to Steve Murray, welcome to you. Good to be here. Thank you. Tom Kenyon, let me come to you first. The revival of Family First, uh, described as a little bit like Lazarus Rising. Uh, Give us a a very quick, in a nutshell, uh, the rise of Family First. Sure. Uh, So uh, there was a Family First. Um, It merged with Australian Conservatives and then uh, disappeared. Early early last year, um, your listeners might remember that uh, South Australia passed uh, abortion to birth bills and then very quickly afterwards, um, euthanasia bill for the first time got passed. And that was the catalyst for me to get back involved and to try and find a way I thought we needed to do something different. So thinking about who's better or worse in terms of parties was a broken model and, and is a broken model. And we need to think about on these conscience issues, who are the 47 people in the lower house and the 22 people in the upper house in South Australia because they make a decision individually, so we need to make sure we get a a good parliament. And Family First was the vehicle to do that. It was a way of harnessing that conservative vote and then allocating it to those candidates who, um, who were likely to support us or just to move votes away from people who'd voted very badly. Now, let me just get a little personal here. You're Catholic, and you've had to make an adjustment to be quite ecumenical because of the Christian roots of the uh, Family First Party. Uh, in fact, uh, yeah. you said to me as we were getting uh, prepared to have our segment today, you said you've had to become quite pentified, uh, given the founder <laughs> of the original party was Andrew Evans, a Pentecostal minister. And uh, So right. give us a little insight here into how that's been for you, uh, being Catholic, but actually uh, you know, embracing a lot of people who come from a, even a Pentecostal evangelical foundation. Well, to be honest, it hasn't been that hard, and I've been doing it for quite a while. So um, uh, I've you know been working when I was previously in Parliament as lower house member for the Labor Party. I worked very closely with a lot of the Christian churches, and um, and it's been good to sort of you know at this time. Of, in fact, over the last three years, I've been involved with an organisation called Love Adelaide that organises a Walk for Life here and every year in Adelaide. And just for South Australian listeners, that will be next year, second February in February. Uh, sorry, second Saturday in February. Please come. Um, so I've been organising that Walk for Life with a group of others uh, and, well, in fact, working with them. And that is a, a, an ecumenical group. Right? It's across many denominations. And we've been doing that for the last three years. We've been working with Australian Christian Lobby on that, who have also brought you know their, their people with them. So uh, it, there's some cultural differences mainly about how we worship in terms of, um, uh, you, you know, I come from a fairly... Uh, the, the Catholic Church is a very sort of reverent and quiet service, and as you know, some of those Pentecostal services are a lot louder and uh, and and um, a lot more energy in them. 
Um, so you know that's been that's been the big difference. But you know, in the fundamental appreciation of the need to proclaim the gospels, the need for a free and fair society um, that that allows people to live their faith, um, there's actually there's actually not a lot of difference. And even there's you know just having sort of side discussions talking about some of the theological differences, um, they're not as great as you might seem either. And uh, so it's been it's been great fun. I've really enjoyed working with them and. Uh, and it, and you know it's nice to have what has become a fairly united group working in conjunction to a common goal. Certainly is a significant thing that those ethical issues are shared right across different uh, denominational uh, perspectives. Uh, Steve Murray, welcome into the conversation. And uh, in another sort of an ecumenical sense here, uh, given that there's some cross-party connections, uh, you're known to be a part of what's called the Gang of Eleven, and uh, particularly around pro-life issues. Yes, Yes, the so-called Gang of Eleven. Uh, Give us your insight into how that has developed in South Australia. Well, it's an interesting conversation, and following on from Tom's point, um, one of the, uh, as a first-term MP, one of the things that uh, I have enjoyed is the ability to to speak to, deal with... um, and and share views with people from different political parties and political backgrounds who have a common commitment to uh, uh, to the things that uh, that interest us and and as a consequence of that or as a follow on from that um, a, a number of us across party lines uh, worked very very hard on all of the issues you've talked about so we've had a a fairly fraught four year parliament uh, from a, a social um, Social legislation perspective, um, we we started off with uh, an attempt to decriminalise prostitution, which uh, was defeated largely, if I could summarise, because it, uh, in the view of many, um, me included, would, would have resulted in uh, a whole lot of bikies being made uh, um, wealthier than they already are, and uh, and moving through to, uh, as you've discussed, uh, abortion uh, and euthanasia. So. The Gang of Eleven um, were the, the people who, um, at the end of the abortion um, uh, vote, and who, notwithstanding the fact that it had been lost, um, took a very public stand and, uh, in a 47-member chamber, a, a somewhat uh, daunting stand in, in some respects, and uh, and stood for um, and and voted uh, their opposition to. The, uh, the legislation which, as Tom has pointed out, um, legalised abortion to birth, um, and that's a, a, you know, a fundamental, uh, a fundamental issue from, from the perspective of the, pe- the people in question, uh, me included. The challenging thing is uh, that that very, very controversial uh, legislation has passed under a Liberal government, and I wonder whether you've got any thoughts on potential consequences here. Do you think it's a worry for the Liberal government under Premier Stephen Marshall that Christians might actually have second thoughts about traditional loyalties because of these very, very difficult and uh, dreadful decisions made? It's probably in this context worth remembering that South Australia was the first state to um, to legalise or um, abortion um, a long, long, long time ago, back in the 70s. And that was done uh, by a Liberal Attorney General. So the Liberal Party has always had two uh, broad wings, one of which is more conservative, uh, the other is the, 
the so-called small L liberal um, wing. So I think it's I think it's a reflection in some respects. The vote um, is a reflection in some respects of uh, the society more generally, the composition of the parliament, as Tom has pointed out. Um, and uh, in in some respects, it's it's clear, and this is where Tom. Um, has made a very, very good point. There's been no real penalty or no uh, no accountability for taking the uh, um, the easier uh, route, if I could put it that way, from a, from a uh, for, for some MPs, I suspect. So, getting back to your point, um, none of this legislation was introduced by um, the uh, the Liberal government, um, but the reality is that uh, the majority of MPs in the lower house from both sides of the aisle, uh, not to mention the crossbench, um, voted in its favour. And to be very, very fair and scrupulous about it, there were members of the Liberal Party and members of the Labor Party uh, who were part of the uh, the, the so-called Gang of Eleven and, uh, and voted against it. So it's, it's a mistake to assume that any um, mainstream party will guarantee you um, a vote one way or the other. Tom's party has the uh, the advantage, if you like, that uh, it it will uh, enable uh, people to to force some some clarity and, in particular, some accountability onto MPs in seats uh, such as mine and indeed the other forty six in the lower house. So, uh, Tom but, uh, Kenyon, let's uh, come to Tom here. Uh, there'll be yeah. a real challenge for you then, and I wonder whether you've got any uh, perception of how things might go, but uh, you need to get into the Parliament in order to do, even as we're hearing here from Steve, uh, holding MPs to account, uh, becoming more pragmatic when they see consequences. Uh, is there a realistic possibility that uh, you might be elected tomorrow? Oh, there absolutely is a realistic possibility. But the good thing is, um, from Family First's point of view, is that we don't actually need to get elected to hold people to account. Because we're running in lower house yep. seats, we are able to um, direct preferences either to or away um, people from people who have, uh, based on how they voted on this abortion bill. So, And I should point out, actually, that Steve Murray is a hero of that debate. He was a very strong leader in organising the... The, the vote against against that bill and particularly against the abortion to birth amendment. So, um, so you know, all credit to Steve there. Um, but we don't need to get elected for that accountability to happen. Right? It's not. It's not just for the parliament to hold each other accountable. It's for Christian voters to hold their MPs accountable. And they have to get away from this. Like, so it's and you know, I've been at fault in this in history as well. Is the um, you, you, you get habits, right? You, you form these habits. You vote how your parents voted generally. You, you don't really change that over a lifetime. You might, every now and then, you might have one election where you think, oh, it really is time for a change, and you'll change your vote. But mostly you vote the same way. And as Christians, we have to get away from that. Our faith must be more important than our party allegiance. And when we go into that ballot, into that uh, voting booth, we need to put our faith on that ballot paper. And it needs, we've got to not support people who vote against critical bills uh, that, that undermine our faith and our freedoms. Steve Murray, as a Liberal MP, and uh, you're hearing Tom Kenyon reflect here mm. that, uh, that perhaps there hasn't been enough pressure to hold MPs to account. 
so far as Christian voices, uh, was there a Christian voice that was that was rising up to to support your stance as you were fright, fighting for those pro life issues? Uh, could it have been a whole lot stronger? There was certainly a Christian voice, and they were certainly uh, very very active. Um, if I can just take the time to reinforce or re- reiterate the point that Tom has made, and that is Neil, that it's it's not um, it's not necessary that family first or, or parties of, the, of their ilk um, have to take a seat in the parliament in order to enforce the, the accountability I was talking about. That can be done at the ballot box. So to get back to your point about whether the Christian groups were active or not, they certainly were. But what we are now seeing, um, it's a practical reality, is that um, what Tom's talking about is people of a, of a Christian background making a, a determined and, and, uh, and an informed decision to vote according to uh, the tenets of their faith and to reward and or penalise with their vote those who um, who don't follow um, what their view their view is from a faith perspective. So uh, the the development um, of uh, family first and what Tom's articulating means that there are teeth potentially uh, at the ballot box, um, and that there is, as I said, some some more accountability on MPs. And look, if, if people, if MPs wish to vote in a certain way, they should be free to do so. Um, but part of being free to do so is is the necessity to to assess um, what it is that the people that support you or, or live in your community think. And what Tom's offering is uh, is, is a, a conduit for that perspective um, and a means whereby um, those who uh, who have a different view. Um, can actually express that in a concerted manner. So, uh, getting back to the, so it's not, it's not necessarily cases of sort of a major party, but what we're seeing here is the development whereby uh, people can coalesce around a, a particular perspective and express that view and their support for that view, and for people that have um, who have acted in a manner cognizant with their beliefs as Christians. Um, to, to actually enable and and, uh, uh, and reward and, and try to support those people. So significant hearing these thoughts from you, Steve, and I'm not sure everybody in your party will appreciate your sentiments, and uh, I appreciate that you are bold enough to be able to make that expression because in the South Australian Parliament over this last term, there's been a number of Liberal candidates that have uh, abandoned the Liberal Party and moved to uh, independent status. And, mm, and of course, yeah. uh, let me come back to you, Tom, because uh, you're a former uh, Labor frontbencher uh, in the South Australian Parliament and now you've abandoned the Labor Party and you've come back to family first. I mean, is there a likelihood that there may actually be other disgruntled MPs on both sides, uh, Liberal or Labor, that may actually see family first as a place where they can settle? Well, look, there may be, um, but what, what we're at, one of the things we're actually trying to achieve is to make... Um, social conservatives, people who share our values, more uh, influential and more valuable within their own major parties. So there are people who are pro-life in the Labor Party. In fact, just as an example for that, the only woman in the lower house to vote against 
sorry, vote for all of the amendments that would have improved the bill and to vote against the bill in the, in the end to be one of those gang of 11 was Andrea Michaels from the Labor Party. Right? Not a single Liberal woman was involved in that gang. Um, so, so there are people from both sides, and of course you know, there's Steve and, and many others in the Liberal Party who were, were involved in that as well. Um, but there are people in both major parties who are, share our values, but they're being marginalised over time. And Family First is an attempt to make those people in major parties more, more influential and uh, more valuable to their parties so that they have more say and we, we're able to get more candidates who share our values from both major parties. Then we will be in the happy position of being having you know, potentially in any one seat two pro-life candidates from both major parties and then we have the great luxury of starting to think about other issues other than those foundational life issues when casting our vote. Um, but you know, that, that's one of the goals of Family First, to try and achieve that. Steve Murray, let's come to a bit more broader uh, perception here of what's coming tomorrow mm-hmm. as South Australian voters go to the polls. Uh, from what I understand, uh, the Liberal Party is really the, uh, you know, the, uh, they're not holding uh, the, uh, the front runner position here. There's an underdog status uh, for the Liberal Party. Uh, how are you feeling about tomorrow's vote as it draws closer? I'm feeling like an underdog, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you know, there's a, it's a positive thing if you're an underdog. Well, I, you know, I, I the I, the major thing from my perspective is not to not to be or or uh, even worse to appear to be uh, complacent or uh, or or anyway um, um, uh, overly confident. So that's certainly not the case from my perspective. We'll keep. Uh, We'll keep putting our proposition in front of people, and uh, um, look, I'll resist the urge to, you know, to to deviate and start to talk about uh, about partisan issues. But uh, it's uh, it's been, as I said, I'm a um, I'm a first term MP. I've had a, a business career before going into the parliament, and uh, it's been quite an introduction uh, to parliament, to two normal years, two pandemic years, and uh, an awful lot of adjustment and. Uh, um, and and wild variation in in, in the uh, the conditions in which we live, and uh, that's that's reflected in uh, in the, the polling we're seeing. And uh, look, uh, hopefully, uh, both from a personal perspective and from the party perspective, there's some uh, credit given to. Uh, that which we have achieved in in fairly trying circumstances. Well, good achievements over this term, uh, health and the economy uh, emerging from the pandemic well. Uh, South Australia only stayed in lockdown for something like 10 days compared to 262 days in Melbourne. Uh, If there is a criticism, uh, criticism, of course, of Stephen Marshall for hospitals and ambulance ramping, uh, there are some positives and uh, there are a negative or two in there as well. Tom Kenyon, uh, as a former Labor frontbencher, uh, how are you rating the possibilities uh, for the Liberal Party uh, for tomorrow's ballot? Um, look, I think I think they've had a tough campaign, but um, the the reality of of campaigning and and elections is that you win government by putting together a majority of seats in the parliament, and each one of those seats is an individual battle. And the um, the the big campaign that you see on the TVs, the ads, and the news nightly news press conferences, all of those sorts of things, I like to talk about them as the air war. They're they're the theme that come out and 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 um, 
and broadcast the broad messages that people get. Now, I think looking at that at the campaign, I think the, the Labor Party has had a better campaign in terms of that air war. But where it's won and lost is actually on the ground, that, that ground war. And that's individual street by street, walking from house to house, knocking on doors and making phone calls to constituents and asking them to vote for it. And those campaigns can often be a lot tighter than things might appear on the surface. So there's, there's a reasonable chance. Uh, of the government being re-elected. I, I don't expect it to be re-elected as a majority. I think if it is re-elected, it will be um, as a minority government with the support of independence. Um, there's equally a solid chance that Labor could form a minority government um, with the help of independence. And I think there's an outside chance that the Labor Party could form majority government in its own right. But I, I think it's unlikely the Liberal Party will form a majority government in its own right. So... They're the sort of all the scenarios. Asking me to pick one is very hard. Probably, I'd say if I, you know, if I absolutely had to put money on it, I'd probably say a liberal minority government. But okay. you just can't, you, know, you can't make a. It's too. It, it is actually a really tight election, and I think it's too hard to make an accurate prediction at this stage. It's going to be tight, uh, Steve Murray, as a Liberal MP in the seat of Davenport. Uh, your prediction for tomorrow. Um. <laughs> given, given I think we know what you're about my, to say. Well, my 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 prediction is uh, is is much the same as Tom's. It's going to be extraordinarily tight. I, I, at risk of sounding flippant, but it is actually true, and I don't think there's much in the way of argument, uh, regardless of uh, of political backgrounds. What will will be the case will will still be the case. And that is that, um, and, and I'm being I am being uh, extraordinarily. Uh, uh, partisan about about it, but um, South Australia will be the best place in the best country in the world um, on on Sunday and Monday and Tuesday of next week, and I think that's uh, that's something that uh, we can all reflect on. So we we've had a tough time, but as you pointed out, um, you know, I've got a, a daughter who's uh, lived in Melbourne during the pandemic uh, under under curfew and uh, uh, and has suffered some of the stuff they've suffered. Uh, South Australia has done, comparatively speaking, very, very well. Well, uh, the two of you, uh, Steve Murray, Liberal MP for the seat of Davenport, and Tom Kenyon, uh, with the resurrected Family First Party, uh, you are champions of a pro-life cause, and that Christian foundation shines through beautifully in uh, the sorts of uh, issues that you've both been able to approach. And uh, I want to thank you so much uh, for being part of our conversation today, our preview to the South Australian state election. Uh, Steve Murray, thanks so much for joining us on 2020. Thank you, Neil. And Tom Kenyon, thank you. Thanks, Neil. It's great to be here. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.